The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. How many of you have heard the term virtue signaling? Still show hands. It's a relatively new term, but a phenomenon that's been around since the beginning of humanity. Virtue signaling is the action or practice of publicly expressing an opinion or a belief so that to demonstrate your good character or the moral correctness of your position. I'll give you some examples of virtue signaling. Masks were virtue signaling. Worn with slogans. A mask that maybe said, this isn't what freedom looks like virtue signaling, or together we can beat this virus, virtue signaling. Media profiles on your social media posts, no longer with a person's picture, but instead an image of a rainbow or a lifted fist, virtue signaling. And flags, so many flags which publicly wave in front of houses to say not where the people are from in the house, but to say what it is that's believed in this house. I saw a picture of a woman recently sitting in a park with a scowl on her face and virtue signaling a sign that read, I am a good person. I read one comic that had two hipsters walking down the street, looking at their phones, passing some disheveled homeless men and saying, oh, my Tumblr post about feeding the homeless got 10,000 reblogs. It's so satisfying to be making a difference in people's lives. You see what virtue signaling is all about? I'm actually loving what's happening with virtue signaling because it's showing us that we are all walking contradictions. Before we cast the first stone church at virtue signalers, we need to take a look within. Because we, the religious, are master craftsmen of virtue signaling. We say we hate the sin and love the sinner, but then we insulate ourselves from anyone who might contaminate us. We say we are a reformed church, but are unwilling to be reformed when an idea seems too dangerous or too revolutionary to us. Friends, at one time, having an organ in a church was considered too dangerous to the purity of the church. We have our quiet times. We have our praying or lifted hands, our mechanical expressions and practices, which can serve to throw a veil over what's really going on inside of us. Virtue signaling outs us all as walking contradictions. All of us walking contradictions. We come up with ways to display our virtue, our goodness, our holier-than-thou-ness, all the while disguising the true problem that lies within every one of us virtue signalers, an unclean heart. Today in the Gospel of Mark, Jesus goes toe-to-toe with virtue signalers. Jesus 
who faithfully keeps the commandment of God to love him with all his heart, soul, mind and strength and love his neighbor as himself as himself. Jesus commands virtue signalers in this passage. Take off your masks. Take down that profile. Lower that flag in order to take a much closer look at your heart. A reading from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 7. Hear the word of the Lord who loves you so much that he won't leave you alone. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they definitely do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked Jesus, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders? but eat with defiled hands. And Jesus said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And Jesus said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles father and mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable and he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled? Thus, Jesus declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and they are what defile a person. This is God's word. And it is true. The question this passage asks each of us virtue signalers is this. How do you keep God's law? How do you keep God's command to love him with all your heart and then love your neighbor as you would want to be loved? It's not what you think it looks like. 
It's not by cleaning up your act or changing your attitude. It's about access. To love God with all our heart, every filthy, wicked, walking contradiction corner of our heart needs access to God. We need a cleansing from within. We need to be cleaned. And today, like following the direction on the back of a Windex bottle, we're going to walk through three steps that the Lord Jesus takes us to see our need for cleansing within. And this is the first step. Look in the mirror, not out the window. Because you are the lawbreaker, not them. Verses 1 to 13 is where we see this. The original people of God, the Jews, were given the commandment of God who loved his people and saved them. And the commandment of God was a mirror of God's love to us. The commandment was this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the heart of true worship and religion, a God-loving, neighbor-loving life. That's how God operates. In Trinity, he loves, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit love each other perfectly. And then they love those that they've created. That's how God operates. But because God knows we need help in fleshing what that looks like out, he gave us ten commandments. Not just that one commandment. Ten commandments. Ten laws on what loving God looks like. And they were broken up into two parts, two tablets, five laws on what loving God looks like, true worship, and five laws on what loving neighbor looks like, true religion. These laws were never meant to save us. (laughs) They were given to us to live in response to the God who saved us. Other laws were also put into place in addition to those ten. And they were given by God and they were written by Moses. There were ceremonial laws and there were civil laws. The ceremonial laws, which would include like the sacrificial system, circumcision, the baptismal cleansing and the washing, those were to serve as signposts, as arrows to the one who would deliver them from sin. That's what all of those ceremonial laws were for, to point forward to something coming. The civil laws were given to God's people to set them apart as holy and distinctive and precious to him. The law was intended to mirror to a broken world a loving God through this particular people. But what happened to the law? It had become to the Pharisees and to the scribes a wall and a window to separate holy people from a broken world. Instead of displaying God's love for neighbor, the law became a way to distinguish between neighbor, us, and enemy, them. And so washing of hands was no longer about ceremonial hygiene that was pointing to a God that's going to cleanse us. No, washing of hands became, through added traditions and laws by the elders, virtue signaling. Separation, that when I wash my hands, I'm better than you. 
Traditions which make a religious person feel secure and superior. If you come near a filthy Gentile or Samaritan, wash your hands. If you go to the market where the place is teeming with commoners, you better wash your hands. But not only your hands, wash all your pots and your pans too. It's like beginning of COVID. Do you remember that? We were washing our groceries You remember that? The religious leaders corner Jesus with this question. What is the reason your disciples are acting like commoners? Why are they not washing their hands when they're eating that bread? Why are they ignoring tradition? And Jesus in love says, look in a mirror. The problem is not them. The problem is you. In verses 6 and 7, he steers them back to the law and word of God. As he says, the prophet Isaiah was right in calling you actors. You play the part of law keepers, but take off your virtue signaling mask of hand washing and look at what's underneath. Loads and loads of law breaking. Look in a mirror. You are the problem. Jesus uses biting sarcasm in verse 9 to get their attention. He says, let me me congratulate you guys are so good at ignoring the heart of the law in order to keep up this act. And he uses an example. He says, look at Corbin, which meant a gift dedicated to God. What Corbin was, was a tradition which allowed people to donate their stuff to the synagogue, to the religious leaders before they died. It's like giving your estate or giving your, donating your car to NPR before you kick off. The synagogue officials made sure that once someone gave Corbin something dedicated to God, they would be, be penalized to reverse it. So if a man gave up his home or his horse, say, to the church, and now his parents needed a place to live or needed a vehicle to take them for medical treatment, too bad. It's Corbin. The tradition negated the law of honoring parents. Which ironically, I believe, was part of the first tablet of worshiping God was honoring parents. It was thrown out for the sake of keeping the tradition alive and probably keeping the synagogue afloat. Anyone who lives in a neighborhood that's changing can see how easy it is to move from looking in a mirror to looking out a window. I was talking with a friend this week who was struggling with the neighborhood in which they're living changing. And my friend had started some traditions they were not happy with. They had a tradition of using binoculars regularly, looking outside to spot issues going on with the neighbors. What are they doing now? What are they doing now? They had a tradition of looking on CCAP, which is Wisconsin's court system of penalties and legal charges against somebody. They would go on CCAP to see their neighbor's rap sheet and their latest charges, believing that because they were not on CCAP, they were clean of offenses, they're good. And all the while, they have these little traditions. They were avoiding their neighbor 
who was walking on the other side of the street. They were breaking the law of God by keeping to the traditions of man. Confession. I don't like confessing to a congregation, but I did this the other day. As I was trying to figure out the story of my reclusive neighbors who moved in not too long ago and who I feared might be tainting our neighborhood. I got on CCAP myself. And the Lord totally convicted me in that moment. And he said something like this. Chad, have you checked your CCAP lately? Have you looked at the law of God that you have broken with me today? Because that list is longer than a web page can hold. And I love you. And I rescued you. I redeemed you. That's the glass you need to be looking into. The mirror glass that to see that as much as you might look respectable, as much as your lawn might be free of weeds and clover, as much as your floor or your sliding glass are shiny because you use a Norwex washcloth. You are a law-breaking mess. If I freed even you, Chad, then look at your neighbor as redeemable. Especially if they don't look the part. Especially if their lawn or their porch or their lives are littered with lots of mess. Oh, friends, Christians, the hills of tradition that we are willing to die on that are actually killing us. We need to look in a mirror and see that what is killing us is us ignoring God and neighbor with our windows of separation of better and worse. Cleanse us from our sin, Lord, not their sin, O Lord. Step one, look in a mirror and see that you are the problem, not them. And step two, notice what's in you when you do that, not on you. Because the problem dwells within Verses 14 to 16. When I look into a mirror, like really lean into a mirror, if you've done this, our bathroom mirror, when I really lean in, you know what I see? I see all the blackheads on my nose. Clean those things up and you'll be better looking. (laughs) But when Jesus has us look in a mirror, he doesn't want us to see what's on the outside. He wants us to see what's on the inside. After confronting the religious actors over their smoke and mirror stage of pretending to look clean while all the while breaking God's law, he shouts this song of freedom in verse 14. He says, everyone listen. These outside things are not what makes you unclean. It's got to be so violently upsetting to the Pharisees, to the actors on the stage, to hear Jesus give his review to the crowd. He says... This is the worst show ever. Don't pay money for this. Don't believe their act. It's not the outside of things that makes you clean or unclean, holy or unholy, righteous or unrighteous. It's not the food you eat or don't eat. It's not your porch that is clean or unclean or cluttered. It's not the traditions you keep or don't keep that make you holy or unholy. It's what's inside of you. That's where the problem lies. And this is where the kingdom of God flourishes, friends. It's what we've seen so far throughout the gospel of Mark. People who know they need help coming to Jesus to be healed and cleaned. 
Who's coming to him throughout this gospel so far? The unclean, the rejected, the leper, the demon-possessed, the paralyzed, the blind, the incurable. They're coming to Jesus for saving. All of these conditions are people who match outside and inside. They need help. They need healing and they can't do it themselves. They're a picture of G.K. Chesterton's simple response when he was asked to write an essay of what is wrong with the world. And he writes this, four words, Dear Sirs, I am. If you believe cleansing is a 12-step process of cleaning up the outside, of going spiritually keto, of praying a certain type of prayer at a certain time or staying away from the left-wingers or the right-wingers or looking Presbyterian or looking Pentecostal, then give up the act, Jesus shouts. The problem isn't addressed by cleaning up the stage, church, saying, we're clean, they're not. The problem is addressed by addressing the unclean heart in all of us. Friends, I love a clean floor. My kids will tell you this. Saturday mornings, I love a clean floor. But it is inevitable that as soon as I deep clean our kitchen floor with Murphy oil soap, it smells so good. It will be within what seems to be seconds that myself or a member of my family will spill a load of bacon grease or flour or potato chips all over the floor. And what happens when that happens? My heart is revealed. I believed a clean floor would make all right in my world. When in fact, what was wrong with my world was the condition of my heart. Take racial tensions and conflict that are going on right now. These problems will not, will not be solved externally. In his book, Beyond Racial Gridlock, George Yancey writes, if we're going to rely on our human wisdom and traditions, we are doomed to make the same mistakes. We are always going to have a strong affinity for solutions which help our own at the expense of others. Bad news. But there is also good news. By recognizing our sin nature, what's in our heart, we can comprehend the spiritual dimension of our problems. Christianity has not only diagnosed the problem, it has offered the solution, Christ who came to free us from the slavery of our sin-dominated hearts. Look in a mirror. See that the problem is not them, it's you. See that that problem doesn't lie on you, that problem lies in you. And then finally, apply to your heart. Press into your heart the only law keeper who can make you clean, Jesus himself. This is in verses 17 to 23. Jesus' disciples, they're still confused. They're so much like us. We still want to believe, no, 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 there's something we can do on the outside to fix this problem inside. Where we don't want to ask for help uh, on the outside to take care of the problem. Like men, we don't like to ask for directions or read directions. We just want to figure it out ourselves. And in verse 18, Jesus, in a frustrated grace, still knows he's alone in understanding the solution that he's going to provide. He just says to them, 
It's not about the food. It's not about the hand washing. It was never about the food or the hand washing. The food doesn't corrupt your heart. It goes into your mouth, through your body, and back into the toilet. That's literally what Jesus says, boys. He actually talks about the toilet, just so you know, boys. It goes back into the toilet. Nothing outside of you corrupts you. What has corrupted you is what's deep within you, a sinful heart. The food loss, the hand washing. God was giving you a pointer to another food that would set you apart. He was giving you a pointer to another cleansing that would make you clean. To deal with what's really going on inside in your heart. And he shows them, see what's in your heart, disciples. As he displays in verse 21 and 22, six acts and six attitudes that are awful and completely unlawful. Look at all this law breaking going on. See it, disciples. See it in yourself before you see it all over the news. Here's the action, the sinful heart in motion in verse 21. Sex, not in the way God intended it. Stealing from others, killing neighbors, cheating on spouses, shameless pursuits of power and money, deliberately harming someone else's body or someone else's reputation. There's some actions that you're seeing come out of your heart. And then the sinful actions come from these attitudes, pretending to be someone you're not, being crude and obnoxious, jealousy over others having what you want. Sizing up people as worse than you, believing you're the standard of perfection, or acting like a fool. In that list, do you see yourself? Because you need to see yourself. We need to see this so that Jesus can not only declare all foods clean, but that he can declare us clean as we come to him in faith. As we come to him, as we see all this and saying, Have mercy on me, a sinner. All of this awful, evil, heart-embedded sin has a remedy. A man whose heart was pure. A man who loved God with all of it. And who loved neighbor with all of it. Who would enter into the foulness of the human heart by allowing the filthiness of an unclean heart to be vomited upon him. I want you to hear these powerful words of the cross written by Johnny Erickson Tara to describe Jesus' perfect law-keeping love for God and his love for us. The cross is lifted. God is naked, on display, and can hardly breathe. But these pains are a mere warm-up to Jesus' other and growing dread. He begins to feel a foreign sensation. An unearthly foul odor begins to waft, not around Jesus' nose, but around his heart. He feels dirty. Human wickedness starts to crawl upon his spotless being, the living excrement, the living feces of the human soul. The apple of his father's eye turns brown with rot. His father, he must face his father like this. 
from heaven, the Father now rouses himself like a lion disturbed. He shakes his mane and roars against the shriveling remnant of a man hanging on a cross. Never has the Son seen the Father look at him like this. Never felt even the least of his hot breath. But the roar shakes the unseen worlds and darkens the visible sky. And the Son does not recognize these eyes. As the lion, the Father says, Son of man, why have you behaved so? You have cheated Lusted, stolen, gossiped, murdered, envied, hated, lied, cursed, robbed, overspent, fornicated, disobeyed, embezzled, blasphemed. I loathe these things in you. Disgust from everything about you consumes me. Can you not feel my wrath? And the father watches as his heart's treasure, the mirror image of himself, sinks, drowning into this raw, liquid sewage of sin. And the Lord's stored up rage against humanity from every century explodes in one single direction. Father, Father, why have you forsaken me? But heaven stops its ears. And the son stares up at the one who cannot, who will not reach down or reply. Two eternal hearts tear apart, their intimate friendship shaken to the depths. And the father accepts Christ's sacrifice for sin. And his wrath is satisfied. Unto him are unclean. Unto us, his body, his blood, his cleansing water. Apply to your heart the only law keeper who can make you clean, Jesus himself. He's the food from heaven who breaks his body for you. He's the wine from heaven who bleeds his perfect blood for you. He's the water from heaven who overflows his spirit onto you. He's the Corban. He's the dedicated gift of God who gave everything for you. Apply to your heart in faith. Jesus declaring. He's my holy food. He's what I eat. He's my holy drink. He's what I drink. He's my holy bathtub. He's what makes me clean. True virtue signaling is declaring Not me, but Christ in me. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for your son's work and bringing cleansing to our foul, sin-stained hearts. Help us remember what it took to make us clean. The Father's wrath poured out on the perfect son. May we bathe in him. May we drink of him. May we chew our food with gratitude of him. And nothing else. Christ in us. Our hope and our virtue. Amen.